Hi guys, welcome to the Pop That Mama podcast. Due to popular demand, we are back with another birth story. And in this episode, I am joined by the lovely Emma West, who is on the show to share her beautiful and empowering home birth story with us. Enjoy listening. Hi, Emma. So great to have you on the podcast. Happy for you to just quickly introduce yourself to everyone. Hi, everyone. It's Emma here. I'm a yoga teacher based currently in Edinburgh, Scotland, uh, and I also run vegan yoga retreats, um, kind of mostly in Scotland, but also when I was over in Australia, over in Australia. I'm a new mama to Bodhi, just nine weeks today. So although it feels like I've not slept for 20 years, um, you know, still in the raw thick of it and really, really excited to be here today to share a very lengthy labor and birth process, but to really empower everyone to find the trust, to to really find the trust that you know your body best and not to be kind of pressured by anyone, not just the system, but external friends, family, and to stay true to the journey that you want to have um, for birth and birthing. Love that, love that. And I did have a cheeky look on your Instagram at your birth photos and they are gorgeous. So hopefully we can share them on stories when this when this goes out. But really, honestly, so happy to have you here. It's your story. So share in whatever way you want. Awesome. Uh, I fell pregnant when me and my partner, Jack, were over in Australia uh, and I found out pretty soon I'd been menstrual cycle tracking for about two and a half, three years. So I really knew ovulation, what was happening. And the day I was due my bleed, I was like, we're having a baby. Oh shit, (laughs) this is happening. Um, So we were in Australia. We'd only been there 18 months and mostly been out there during the pandemic. So hadn't had the best time to really establish ourselves. Um, We decided to move back to Edinburgh, which is where we met. We'd only actually met for several months before we moved out. So we aren't in a very long-term relationship, but it felt right. And we knew this is what we wanted. Um, So we moved back when I was about 13 weeks pregnant. Now, this caused a lot of kind of stress and and stirring in the pregnancy that, you know, ideally I wanted this cruisy, wholesome experience, but that's not how life works. So the uproot in moving during pregnancy was very challenging. Uh, And once we got here, we also caught the old COVID at 15 weeks pregnant, which was also stressful, of course. Um, But that kind of kind of cruised through that. And uh, once I met the midwife teams here in Scotland, they have a really good continuity of care. So straight away, once I met my midwife, Nikki, um, I was like, oh, okay, now we're meant to be here for the birth. This is this is good, good place to be. And prior to this, I'd kind of been watching all the positive births on YouTube and listening to podcasts already. So I was already in the mindset of, I really want a home birth, but I do need some more education and knowledge so that I can go in with um, feeling empowered and strong. And even at the kind of 13 week appointment, once we moved over here, I kind of walked in like all guns blazing and sat down and said I want home birth and she's like okay um we don't talk about that till way down the line (laughs) Um, but I was really strong in that in that mindset already however when I did announce that news the the midwife she was like great I love home births and I was like 
oh, I've really lucked out here. You know, you hear a lot about um, potentially you might address that that's what you want and it doesn't get received very well. So I was really happy that she was on my side from the get go. Um, and then kind of through the pregnancy, had two hospital trips uh, due to kind of reduced fetal movement. And then again, near the end, just a bit of bleeding. And what these trips taught me were that I was definitely right in feeling more safe at home. So the moment I walked in to be assessed for a baby to be monitored, my blood pressure raised way through the roof. Again, that caused concern. They wanted more bloods. They wanted to keep me in. And I was like, but baby's still moving now and everything was fine. But the more I got pressured, the more that was showing in my results. Um, and luckily they actually sent me home with my own uh, blood pressure monitoring so that I didn't have to continually go to the hospital because I said, you know, every time I come in here, you're gonna get a high reading because I'm, I'm stressed here, I'm feeling scared in this environment. Uh, and rightly so, as soon as I got home uh, from my first hospital visit, my blood pressure uh, reading completely dropped. And I turned to my partner and I was like, this just confirms where I feel most safe. Um, so I kind of held on to that as the pregnancy went on. Um, I was convinced I was gonna give birth really early. I was uh, slightly premature. So I just thought this is gonna happen like way before it should. Um, I asked them to be on call from like 37 weeks because um, Bodhi's head had been kind of ready and engaged from that 20 week mark on. And I was like, oh, he's coming. Like I really felt that he was um, and how wrong I was. <laughs> I was so wrong. So I felt so ready uh, for so long that this baby was coming. You know, we hired the birth pool. I didn't know if I wanted to birth in the pool, but I wanted that available for pain relief. Um, so we were ready to go. Um, and then 41 weeks passed and I'm like, okay, not quite ready, but it's going to be this week. We start to approach that 42 week mark. And I had set a really firm boundary with the midwife's teams to say, please don't mention induction until you really have to. Uh, although I was offered a sweep at 39 weeks and I already said, no, like, baby will come when baby's ready. Like we're not going down that route. Um, a couple of days is approaching to that 42 week mark. And I, yeah, I lost a bit of trust and I thought, okay, I really need to start considering what induction might look like. Um, let's start researching and see, see a little bit more on how that might look for me. Um, because I was really wanting to deny it. I didn't want that to be the way I wanted it to be natural. Um, but there was no amount of raspberry leaf tea or dates or pineapples or sex. I was doing it all. <laughs> and then it got to the point where I was like, okay, these were really nice rituals when it was a ritual near the end of, of, of pregnancy, but they were becoming so forced. I was like, this is bringing me stress to try and eat 25 dates a day and do all the things was putting me in a stress response where I needed to feel you know, soft and relaxed. And, and I was thinking, okay, forget all those things. <laughs> so although I had many messages coming my way, like, have you tried this? And have you tried that? I'm like, I am so pregnant. I've tried this all, like, this is not the way for me. So I did, I came off social media in, in those last few days, heading towards that 42 week 
mark where we were going to need to go in, discuss induction and, and all the rest of it. I focused on heading to the beach, taking slow walks and lots of sleep, lots of meditation. Um, it felt like a real turning in, tuning in. Um, and it wasn't easy. There was moments I just thought this, this baby is never coming. Like my body is not able to do this. I had all those thoughts. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. You, you actually start doubting that your body can do what it's meant to do. It's insane. Right. And, and you think, well, my body's just created this human and sustained me through pregnancy. Why do we doubt that very end goal, which is just the moment the, of transition from baby yeah. from, you know, utero out? Yeah. It's like that. Why do we doubt ourselves in that huge moment when we've just done such a great job already? It's a problem yeah. with the due date, but yeah, let's conversation for another yeah. day. <laughs> That's it, right? Um, so we luckily the night before the 42 week appointment, in fact, the day I start to feel a niggle. Now I hadn't had any Braxton Hicks or any other feeling uh, that, that it was coming, but I woke up on the, yeah, the Sunday morning and from about 11 a.m. started having what felt like period pains and contractions in the womb. So I felt a shift might be happening, but I didn't want to say it in case it wasn't. Uh, although that continued all day. So I managed to kind of go about the day, have a walk. We met with um, my partner's parents and I kind of didn't say anything. I could feel them coming and that I could talk through them, but they were there and they were very present. Um, also around two in the afternoon after I'd been to the bathroom, I felt a bit of a spill and I was like, did I maybe just like not complete the wee? That could just be a bit of wee. So I just continued on. Uh, and then by about 6 PM, there was much more of a flush of water in my knickers. And I was like, that, I think that's the waters like, and they were clear. And then instantly I go to worst case scenario. I'm like, okay, now I'm looking for, you know, poo in the waters and there's going to be blood and it's going to get messy real quick. And it didn't <laughs> luckily at this point. But um, then we thought, yeah, let's, let's pump the pool up. Let's get it just ready uh, in case. Cause it felt like they weren't stopping, but they were very manageable, these contractions. Uh, so I called triage and they kind of had my home birth um, midwife on call. And it wasn't the, the one that I'd had through my continuity of care, but um, she sounded lovely on the phone and she just said, if you ramp up and it starts ramping up, just give me a call. I'm here when you need me. She suggested I sleep. So we had the pool pumped up, but not filled. Um, and me and my partner got into bed and I thought we are meeting our baby tonight. Like this is happening. But I did feel really exhausted because um, I'd been feeling contractions all day. So we get into bed and we start to kind of drift off and in me relaxing, Finally, the contractions did uh, kind of extend. There was a lot of time between them. So I was timing them at first. And then it was like, oh, it's been 15 minutes. Oh, now that was 18 minutes. Before I knew it, I drifted to sleep. And I woke up the next morning at about 9 a.m. No sign of anything. So I'd slept right through, uh, which was uncommon at that point, because near the end of pregnancy, I was up at 12 and three and five. And I took that as a sign that my body was needing to rest. It had done enough work in that moment. And it was like, time to pause, but we are going to get going again at some point soon. 
Um, so yeah, I rang the midwife the Monday morning and said, okay, there's no baby here. <laughs> I've checked the bed. <laughs> I've checked the flat and it didn't come out and I'm definitely still pregnant, but there's now no sign that labor's happening. Um, so she said, I'm going to come see you at home. So she, this was now my midwife who I'd spent my care with throughout Nikki. She came to the flat and she was convinced she'd be coming back later that night. And she said, just go off, enjoy your day. This will happen. But I still had an element of doubt. I was like, no, like my body started to prepare and it felt like it was going to be too much. I, I did start doubting myself um, throughout that day. So I, again, off social media, went for walks, did all the things um, just to keep me in my own body. Um, and then at 4 p.m., this is now the Monday night, I felt something again, twinge in the womb. And I was like, okay. And I kept that going for a couple of hours before I mentioned it to my partner because I didn't want to kind of get us excited again for it to only end that this isn't happening here at home. Um, but luckily it did start ramping up and quite quick. So by 6, 7 p.m., I was needing to stop and really kind of hold on and stop conversation and, and let the, the wave of the contraction pass. We rang the midwife, definitely more waters had, had left me, but they weren't coming consistently. It was just every so often I'd feel the kind of a, an emptying. The midwife then comes out at midnight because I turned to my partner and I was like, it's time to start filling the pool. Like I'm, I'm needing more pain relief and this is happening. The baby's coming. Um, so we get the pool filled and I get in and honestly, the, I heard on many, many stories, oh, the pool's great, such good relief. And I thought, really? Or is it just gonna feel like a nice swimming around in a big bath? Like really, surely not. <laughs> uh, and as soon as I got in, I was like, holy shit, yeah. I'm living for this. This is, I like this. I like what it's doing. It's working for me. Um, so I was in the pool. Now we live in a very small one bed flat. So to fill that pool was going to take us about two days. <laughs> so my, my partner has pots and pans on the go. He's got the kettle going, you know, we had to wait every time for the tank to refill, to get enough water kind of in there. Um, and they actually delivered us the wrong size sheet for the top so we couldn't even insulate the heat <laughs> um but he did a grand job he was like i'm on this you know i'm not pushing the baby out so i'm doing everything i can to support you which again is a hugely important factor in in the birthing process uh the team that is with you and my partner jack did everything he did not leave my side the, the whole time um I think once he maybe was in the kitchen to, to grab himself a piece of toast, but otherwise he, it was just felt like it was me and him in the room, in, in the flat. Um, so the pool really uh, was great for me. And I kind of lingered between coming in and out of that several times. Then it got to about 7 a.m. And I knew in my mind, I thought, oh, my midwife's about to leave soon. Her shift is gonna be over and I'm still laboring very intensely. She at this point offered me a vaginal exam. Now I was kind of against having uh, checks and all of that. I was like, no, we will we'll leave things to progress how they need to. But at this point 
was the first real big doubt that I had in labor where I was very exhausted. I was very hungry. And I thought, I'm not going to get through this. If this is going on for another five days, I'm like, it's not going to happen. So at that point I, I sat and I asked everyone to leave me alone. And I came into the room in a dark room, laid down, which slowed my contractions. Cause at this point I was really like almost afraid of the next contraction coming because I'd have to ride through it. Um, and I lay in a dark room for about 15 minutes, just weighing up the options of, of having this exam. And I chose, yeah, okay, I'm going to have her look and see what's going on here. So she did. Um, and we discovered that the Bodhi's head wasn't quite sat in the cervix. The, the water, the bag of water was kind of more on the cervix than Bodhi's head. So that was meaning in certain positions, I was getting that flush and that release of the waters, but I wasn't dilating to the speed in which, not that you should, but that the intensity should have been kind of progressing me a bit further. She told me at this point I was five centimeters, which I'd known from doing hypnobirthing and preparing myself that five centimeters might then progress to nine or 10 very quickly. So it doesn't really mean anything. I didn't want to take it too much to heart, but the main thing was that that bag of water was, was slowing me down or slowing me and the baby, slowing us down. So she offered to go in, sweep, pop the bag. I asked her to leave me to decide. Me and my partner discussed it. Uh, and I said, no, you're not doing, I'm not, it's not happening. We're going to get these waters going. So I changed up the playlist that I had prepared and we had uh, Ariana Grande came on, rain on me, literally rain on me. And me and my partner are like swaying. <laughs> We're like, okay, grab the towels. I am making this water go, like whatever it takes. And it did. Like there was a there was a huge burst at that point. We thought, that's it. Like we are going. Now, the reason I was hesitant also to push for it was because I knew that already what I was, what I was experiencing was 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 not so hard. But yeah, it was it was challenging and it was sore. And I thought, oh shit, like if this is gonna get worse, I'm gonna also be dealing with what is worse to come once these waters break. Um but I had to kind of, I looked at myself, I think I looked in the mirror and then just was like, you know, you, you've got this, like you're going to do this. It's, this is going to be okay. So yeah, the waters kind of felt like they went in this moment and things did slightly progress. Uh, I get back in the pool. Next thing I know, my midwife has said goodbye and there's two new staff of, of midwives in my flat who I've never met. At this point, I don't know, I could have had a whole zoo come into the flat. I wouldn't have really cared. I was like, we're so far, we're deep in. I don't care who's here. <laughs> but they were really, really great. And they, they just saw themselves into the kitchen. They kept themselves in the corner. They said, Emma, whenever we come over and, and check you, we're gonna ask. If you don't want us to check anything, let us know. So I think my midwife, Nikki, had been really, really good in, in sharing the information and sharing my wishes. Um, to how I wanted it to unfold. The, the midwife, the main one, she said, uh, Katie, she said, I am gonna in, ask you for another check. If you're like this in five hours and, and I see you're really tired and struggling and need me, I will come and ask for another vaginal exam, which did have to happen. So we're still going uh, and it's kind of midday on the Tuesday 
although I kept the blinds down the whole time. So although days had passed, it felt like we were still in this kind of nighttime zone. Uh, so I took this second examination, but I said this time, do not tell me how far I've gone because I knew I'd be comparing it at this point to the five centimeters that I was. So she went in and she said, yeah, there's still quite a lot of water there. And I thought, I feel like I've honestly lost already like an ocean of water. Like, how is there more water? <laughs> um, but of course, at this point, we're, we're, on the, we're on the clock now with, in terms of, you know, once those waters go, there could be more chance of infection and bacteria for baby. And we will need to get things moving. Um, and she, this, this exam felt a bit rougher. And I said, oh, that feels sore. She says, oh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just seeing if I can pop, pop the bag. And I said, and I moved my pelvis back and I said, no, you're not. You're not doing that, actually. And I was actually quite shocked. And she says, oh, I was, and she got a bit flustered in that moment. Um, and I said, no, can you let me just have a moment to decide if that's what I want to do? So yeah, she left me in the room again. And I, I asked my body to slow down because the contractions were so intense. Uh, and I sat in the dark room alone again. And at that point, I thought, right, let's call the ambulance. Let's take me to hospital and I need help. I have nothing left to give because I wasn't really eating much as I was going. I was feeling a bit, you know, sick and, and things. So that was the moment that I thought, uh, yeah, this is not going to happen how I want it, but I've, I've, I've tried and that's okay. And surrendered, just surrendered to whatever needed to happen. Uh, and then I went back in and looked at my partner and I asked him just to hold me. And then I felt this new rush of, no, I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue. Got up on the couch and there was the pop. <laughs> then the waters finally went and I was like, oh, that's what we've been waiting for. Like the sound, the gushing went all over my partner's legs. I was like, excellent. Okay, here we go. Uh, by then the pool, we hadn't managed to keep warm enough. So as I got in, I thought, no, this is not soothing anymore. In fact, the coldness of the water is it's pissing me off. Everybody move. I'm going on land. <laughs> they're like, okay, she knows what she wants. Um, and finally, I'd just been praying that I'd feel that transition to, to, to push, you know, I'd been, I was sick of contractions. I was like, these things are, are annoying me now. Like I'm done. Like, give me the pushing, um, which it did. Again, I, I doubted that I would feel it. I was like, oh, maybe, it, you know, this isn't where I'm going to deliver. I'm going to need to transition. I'm going to need to go somewhere else. And I, um, I carried a, a picture around of my mum. So I lost my mum 10 years ago and I had a, a little photo. And whenever I was really struggling, I'd say, can you grab my mum and like, they would pull me the photograph and I would just have it. And I was like, if, if, if she could do it, like I can do it. You know, I really had to pull from the lineage of, of women, not only in my line, but of, of all birthing people that have done this before. I was like, okay, I'm not alone in this. And that was a, a, a huge um, kind of mantra and a, and a huge push for me to just, to stay with it, to stay true to how I wanted it to, to be and how I wanted it to unfold. So yeah, the bearing down came on really strong. Uh, I think I pushed for a couple of hours apparently. Um, 
and especially when I got up onto my legs and held onto Jack's shoulders in that one big bearing push down, his whole head kind of came out. Um, and then they were like, oh, too much too soon. Please, like on the next one, can you just not push? And it's so funny to go against what your body's telling you. It's like, it's telling me to do that, but you're telling me to breathe in. <laughs> like this, this is all a bit messed up. Um, but I think they were doing that to help me just maintain maybe less tearing and all of that. So they did, they did, if that was their level of coaching, that was actually very helpful in that end staging. It was the only time that they were really in a sense coaching or assisting me in, in what was happening. Um, so they then I'm on all fours and the next kind of bear down, um, his whole body kind of slides out. I believe no one caught him. I do think he slid right onto the floor, but my yoga mat was there folded up twice. So there was a, a semi soft landing for him. <laughs> at this point, I must say, I was actually quite shocked at how much blood I could see. And I knew it was going to be messy, but the blood that was coming out of me, I thought looked um, kind of like too much, like something might be wrong. Uh, so I start shivering and, and quivering and I'm kind of looking between my legs. I kind of not even concerned that the baby's out now. I'm like, am I okay? I'm quite worried about me now. And as I flip down and they kind of pull Bodhi on me after they unwrapped his cord, which was around his neck twice. So he came out looking incredibly blue. Um, I couldn't see that at that point. My partner did. And he said that really shook him up a bit, but I wasn't prepared. or We weren't warned of that. <laughs> that might happen. and just hadn't considered it. Um, but he came around really fast and was super pink and kind of up on my chest. And it was it was a bloodbath. There was blood on my knees. It was all over the floor. I knew it was going to look messy, but I wasn't prepared for that. And I was in shock, like pure shock. Um, my partner's really emotional and, and he's really in it. And I, I just say, someone needs to hold this baby. I had no strength left whatsoever. Um, and I asked Jack, I said, get your top off right now. Like I need you naked. I need you skin on skin because I, I need some help in, in bringing me back to life almost. Um, but the midwives were super calm and were really reassuring. They were like, Emma, you haven't lost too much blood. You look okay. We're not worried about you. Um, so we, at this stage, we, we let the cord kind of go white and, um, Jack, he, he assisted in cutting the cord. All of this bit gets really blurry. And I think it was because I was in so much shock, again, wasn't really prepared for that. I thought it was going to be this euphoric love experience. It was going to feel so expansive and, you know, and it wasn't, it was, it was scary in that moment. Um, in fact, and they said to me, I know you want the placenta to be delivered naturally, but we think we should give you an injection because we don't want you to work any further. You've, you've gone on. At this point, I'm 41, 42 plus one <laughs> by the time he's delivered. And I've been laboring for a long time. So I say, fine, at that point, whatever. But as I went to sit up, I said, look, I feel the placenta is really close. I don't think we need to, to rush it. And as I just kind of moved into a squat, it kind of just slid out like a slithery, slithery snake. I was like, oh, that was nice. <laughs> so that came out quite 
quite soon after. Um, and then they checked me over, the midwives checked me over and, and I did have a, a labia graze, which I was more, you know, everything's about the perineum, like, oh, we don't want that to, you know, tear. And I was fearful of that, but I had not considered or known about labia tears, um, labia grazing. So they suggested to stitch me up in that moment. So I was kind of legs spread on the couch, having a bit of stitching done at home while I'm staring at Jack holding Bodhi. Um, it's just very surreal. Um, and then they led me into the shower. I asked, could you clear me off and help me kind of get rid of this, what looked like quite scary. <laughs> I needed the blood to be removed. Uh, and then we're in bed together being fed toast and tea, just the three of us and the midwives kind of started to clear up the, the flat and um, really helped me just find that the first latch, which again, I had no strength in my arms. So I was feeling really flustered and it, and it really felt like too much. I was like, this is too much. I can't learn anything anymore. Um, I need to sleep. Um, everybody needs to leave. Thank you. <laughs> uh, which they did. And and there we were, the, the new family of three, which still at this point we are navigating. Um, very challenging times, very, but very enjoyable. Lots of love, um, but lots of tears, which kind of felt like the journey of the laboring and the birth as well. You know, it, was, it wasn't linear, it wasn't A to B. It wasn't contraction start, baby comes. It was like, a, it was a real epic journey. Um, of trust really in the end of, of trusting that my body, both me and Bodhi were going to be okay. And we were going to be safe, um, which we were. So. Wow. Gosh, what a story. I think what was so remarkable is um, hearing about those, hearing about those moments of doubts, like the doubts arise, arising, followed by this kind of total confidence with your body and those moments where you, oh, hold on, no, don't do that. You know, actually, we're going to let the waters break and then the gush comes. And just those moments where you were doubting yourself and then you followed by total belief and confidence. It was really inspiring to listen to and, and the way that you ad advocated for yourself. But talk to us about because I know you said the, the shock of the blood and things, which often isn't spoken about. And I had the same sort of experience. I didn't even know how much blood was going to come out. Talk to us about following that and being with your baby. And did, did you kind of have that rush of love later or have you found that the love has grown? How has that kind of experience been for you? So it's really actually it was, it was the relief, which once the, yeah, once the initial, relief of him being there and safe and then it really took actually I'd say about 24 to 48 hours of me feeling like I could stand on my own two feet that I could then start appreciating him um, and what we've been through and and, and the love it, it was there but I was you know I had, I had to revert to me it was so important that I felt kind of okay I remember the, the trips to the toilet just being so fearful I was so shaky I was sweating I was you know with, with no one prepares you for that well one immediate postpartum experience but postpartum as well um but no once Bodhi was um kind of quietly lying on me or 
next to us. The love is still in this moment, actually too much for me to comprehend, you know? Wow. Wow. Uh, there's this fear there with love for me. Yeah. There's a lot of work to be done, but I do look at him and I just think, yeah, how can I, I, I feel that love and I, I try to run away from it because it, it scares me, you know? It's big, yeah. And it's like, you've got a heartbeat that's not in your body almost. It's, you know, you care for them so much and it's like, you know, they're kind of like out of you, if that makes sense. But yet you're so sort of connected. Um, yeah. Gosh. So just to rewind a bit, I want to hear more about the kind of preparation that you did in order to get into this mindset where you were advocating for yourself, working with your body, trusting your body. Yes, there were moments of doubt, but yeah, I'd like to know more about that kind of the deep work that you did through your pregnancy. What what did that look like? Talk to us about your journey. So I do believe, um, so I've been teaching yoga almost coming up five years. I do think that process in itself without me knowing I've always been preparing for this um so in terms of yeah kind of mindset breath work meditation especially with my menstrual kind of tracking like getting more intimate in understanding my own body has been going on for longer than I kind of realized uh, and then in terms of birth, I mean, I didn't have many friends at the time. I don't know babies. I've never held a baby. I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing here and what this, what this is going to be like. Um, absolutely didn't feel ready for it. Still don't feel ready for it. Um, but I sourced out a, a wonderful um, woman called Rachel. She is strong like mama. And she had an online um, hypnobirthing course so that fitted really well for me and my partner uh, three weekends every Saturday morning we came together and just great informative you know statistics and you know all the stuff that I think my partner really needed to hear he's very logical and you know he needed that just that little boost to be like oh if Emma feels safe at home it's safe to do this you know and if you feel safe in a hospital, it's safe to do it there too, like wherever you feel safe. Um, but that was incredible that that course just kind of rounded everything, all the work that I've been doing with the yoga and the breath and the body. It kind of just really helped. Um, and I set boundaries. So quite, you know, you, you fall pregnant and then everyone has their opinion and everyone has their traumatic story. And um, I actually, if it came to me that someone was coming with some fear over birth, I politely asked them to just stop no thank you this is not the time in my life for, for that to be shared right now I made sure that I only experienced positive stories um, positive doesn't mean that the story goes the way you want it to but as long as you know the woman or the birthing person feels empowered um, and makes choices for them then you know that's incredible so setting boundaries was was huge for me and um, you know not exposing myself to the fear that can be around birth was important brilliant amazing well where can people find you if they want to reach out or maybe even hear a bit more about your yoga practice feel free to just share a little bit about what you do and where people can find you emma west yoga on instagram um where 
Now, as much as I was like, won't be that person that just puts their baby on social media, I'm like, oh my God, look at his face. <laughs> yeah. Love it, um, love it. You'll get some, some, some baby content, um, some kind of functional training, yoga, and um, yeah, vegan yoga retreats up in Scottish towards the Highlands, um, Saoirse Hotel, my partner. That's his business. He opened a, a vegan hotel up there. So we kind of run these wellness weekends for people to, to chill out and do yoga. So you'll find all that on, on my Instagram. That sounds amazing. I'd love to. I'd love to attend. So, um, yeah, what I'm going to do is share some of your photos, your birthing photos, if that's OK. So, guys, when this video is out, head over to Instagram and look at my stories. I'll do a full takeover with your birthing photos and some sound bites and things like that. But thank you so much for being with us. That was a lovely, beautiful story. I'm sure it's going to inspire so many people. So thank you. You're welcome. So great to be here. Thank you big thank you to Emma for coming on the podcast. Guys, isn't it amazing that these women are just giving up their spare time to be with us and to share these incredible stories because they know the power of birth stories. So thank you so much. We've had some incredible birth stories. If you are enjoying these episodes, then do not hesitate to reach out to the lovely guests that we've had on. I'm sure they would love to hear from you. Thank you so much, guys, and have a lovely day.